I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say preview show where we're going to be previewing the visit of Swansea City to the Stadium of Light on Saturday. I am Richard Easterbrook. Uh, no Matthew tonight. and uh, It's been a very peaceful, quiet, serene week in the life of being a Sunderland fan. And to talk about it tonight, we've got Michael Luff. Hello, Michael. You're right. Yep. Hi, Rick. Doing okay. What about yourself? Uh, really good. Got a dog. Another dog. Extra dog. Dog times two. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 taken some adapting to. Is it like a puppy uh, yours? Like, like a bit older, or? Oh no, he's 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 proper. He's brand new, straight out the factory. He's like factory. eight weeks old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still got that new car smell. Um, smell, he's got that all right. He's already he's already uh, uh, christened the house. So yeah, it's it's all fun here. Was it a purchase that was driven by you, or? Uh, well, technically, I drove, I drove it from from the place where we picked it up. But yeah, in terms of like driving, the decision, no, no. Um, I fully support it. I'm fully behind it. Um, it sounds like sounds like a councillor talking about a ledger centre. No, I'm, I'm fully behind the proposals. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got a dog, so it's going to be. Fun and games. Any SEFC theme in the name or Yes. Yes, inadvertently though. Um we, we had a yeah kind of you know when you have to like look at the dog before you, you give it a name. Because mm-hmm. we had a list of names and I don't think this one appeared on it. Uh but we've come up with Monty. Well, lovely so, stuff. So hopefully he's uh hopefully he's gonna be as as good a goalkeeper. Well, it's not gonna matter if he's a goalkeeper or not. Can't <laughs> can't play you can't play for Sunderland unless they change the rules. So, so it's another another um, mental week in the life of being a Sunderland supporter, isn't it? I mean, Michael Beale left on Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah. Was it Monday? Yeah, it was Monday. Yeah. So we've got Mike Dodds now until the end of the season. Um, Mick, you you haven't you went on the pod on 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 Monday with with Gareth Stephen and Matt. So what what's what's your your views on it? Right decision. Yeah, just a, a sense of kind of overwhelming relief, really, when I heard the news, because mm. I was at both Huddersfield and Birmingham, and it was just such a regression. I mean, after the Plymouth game, I think was a little bit of positivity and a bit of a sense of, right, okay, that's two wins in three, um, like three games unbeaten, like let's go and make it five now, let's go and beat Huddersfield, go and beat Birmingham, or even, you know, get a draw Birmingham and beat Huddersfield, or vice versa, but... The performances were awful. We got no points out of those two games. And when you look at the fixtures we've got coming up, there's just no way we're going to survive that period. I mean, we might have got a win on Saturday because our home form's been okay. But beyond that, I just think his time was just his time was up. I mean, I think it probably was before the Stoke game, to be quite frank. But the time was up for him. He had to go um, as much for himself, really, because it was just such a hostile kind of environment. I don't mean as in like I blame the fans for that. I just mean in terms of like it's not very pleasant when obviously Bale hasn't built up that relationship and that rapport with the fans and then the fans obviously don't like Michael Bale either. So it's it's just not nice really when you go to the match every week and you actively don't like your own manager, especially when you've mm-hmm. had like Mowbray who whatever his faults were on the pitch when we had him, I think he was like well liked by a large percentage of the fan base. So just as I say for me, just really Believed that he went, um, and then obviously it happened really quickly. I mean, there was rumours on Sunday night that it might happen, and then 
they were kind of quashed. So I was, I'd kind of given up on it and just accepted he was going to be here for a while longer. And then looked at me, looked at me for mid afternoon on Monday, and Phil Smith was tweeting that he was gone. So mm-hmm. it, it, as I say, it just feels like we've all been put out of our misery a lot sooner than what I anticipated. To be quite honest. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, the rumours that that swirled around on Sunday <laughs> seemed uh, have so little basis to them. Like there was yeah. a there wasn't a screenshot of a of a web page. It was like a picture taken of a of a, a web page which nobody had heard of a, a site that nobody had heard of. Something like football fun or something like that. And it was like, yeah, this this doesn't feel legit at all. But then it kind of started rumbling on 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 Monday, didn't it? When yeah. there was a few few kind of rumor mills going into in action i think it was it was a few respectable journalists started standing the story up and it felt actually this could happen but i mean it, it is also like, sorry go on. i'll no, just go say on. no it is all it is also perfectly possible that when that rumor broke on sunday night that was incorrect at the time and then it mm. developed on monday but you know yeah they were right I, by accident yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it it like it it didn't, you know, it, the, his reign on Wearside did not start well. Um, couldn't have started any worse. And I don't think it's the fan reaction, as as you say. I don't think it's the fan reaction that's led to this. And you've mentioned that regression in in the football. And I think, you know, when the club are looking at data and they've used data as a reason for, you know, for sacking Tony Mowbray and also, you know, a couple of years ago, sacking Lee Johnson, you could you know could see it from a mile off, and it wasn't just the data; it was the eye test as well. The football had gone backwards, and it was like we were playing with the brakes on, and it was so turgid that we couldn't have gone on like that. And it was just it had to be the decision had to be made. I'm I'm, I'm actually quite surprised they made the decision um, that they did, but I'm I'm, got, I'm glad we got there in the end. Yeah, I, I do think as well. Like when you've got a manager. I'm all for giving managers time, but equally managers have got to do things early on to earn that time. Because mm-hmm. now, I've, because now, like football, like managerial reigns are so short anyway now, in com- compared to what they used to be, that to kind of like get over that initial sticky patch at the start, you've got to have something about you. So you've got to have personality. One, if the football's not good, you've got to have something to counterbalance that. Or if the football's not good, you need to be getting really good results, and then you yeah. think, right, okay. The results are there, even if the performances aren't. Or alternatively, if the results aren't quite there, you're like, right, okay, the results might not be there. However, we've been like playing good football. I can see what the process is. I can see what he's trying to achieve. I can see what a Michael Beale side will look like by the end of the season. But there was just nothing like up on every like key metric that you look for in a manager. He just hit none of the criteria that you would expect or hope for. And yeah. it's one of those things, like, I mean, people will turn around and say, and I've seen, like, a few people nationally and even some of our own fans say it, that, oh, well, he was never given a chance, Michael Bale. Like, I mean, that's just a load of rubbish because if he'd come in he and was. played exciting, uh, exciting, attractive football and got results, then, of course, we'd have been behind him, you know? I mean, that, um, I remember when he first came in, like, we got beat off Coventry, that was horrible, obviously, and there was some, like, people chanting Tony Mowbray's name, but equally, he went a whole a few days later, won 1-0, didn't yeah. play amazing, but played all right. And there was two and a half thousand fans down there going mental, really getting behind him, getting behind the team. And we saw as recently as the Plymouth game, people saying, right, he's starting to win me over now. He's starting to turn it around. But that was the thing under Bale. For every step forward, I feel like we made three steps back and there was a lack of ownership of it. And I think Bale himself didn't seem to think that the form was much of an issue. So like after the whole game, when he turned around and said like, Oh well, like some crisis, ninth in the league, three points off the playoffs. Well, it's now seven, and mm. I just don't like that kind of talk anyway. Because to be fair, the digs at the fan didn't really bother me all that much. Like it is what it is. But what really did annoy me was the way he taught the club down. It was almost as if, like, by lowering expectations to absolutely kind of like to rock bottom, being slightly better than rock bottom was seen as some kind of achievement and progress, and that just isn't the way we can go on. Um, so as I say, it's just like best for everybody that this um, field experiment is over, and I don't, I, I don't think anybody is happy to turn around and say, "I told you so," but we did all kind of tell you so that this appointment was doomed um, to failure from the start. Yeah, and it was, and it, I know, I know other, you know, other managers have got 
track records that they can bring in and and it does kind of help a little bit. Michael Beale didn't really have that. Um another point or two, his win percentage in, in, in Glasgow, well it didn't really equate to much. Um, you know, he, he it was he was always on a hide and nothing and he needed to to excel in other departments. I think he probably, and it's probably, it's maybe not something you need to look for in a manager, but I think you need to be a little bit more, he needed to work a little harder to kind of endear himself to the fans. I'm not talking about, you know, coming in wearing a red and white shirt and holding the copy of the Macam dictionary and chewing on a pink slice or whatever, whatever the, 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 the Macam stereotype is, but he didn't do, anything to endear himself to the to the fans um it's not because of his accent it was just because it was quite a cold approach it was very distant withdrawn and i never felt that's it you've got to feel something in a manager and he just just didn't feel it um i mean he could have been the coldest man in the world if he'd got results it would have been a different matter but that whole package just just was just not going to work out yeah completely and as you as we've discussed before when when we sacked Mowbray, we sent out a clear message saying, right, what he was achieving wasn't good enough. So if you don't improve on that, you open the scrutiny straight away. Because the idea of bringing in the next head coach or manager is to like clearly draw a line in the sand and say, right, but now we need to progress. And this guy, I believe, is going to take us higher in the league and give us a better chance of making the playoff places. Um, and that simply... Hasn't happened, as you say, it's been a regression in terms of the playing style. The results haven't improved. They might not have regressed, but they certainly haven't improved. It's just, as I say, it's just felt like um, a real mess. Um, and just, I, I just don't think all the like off the pitch stuff since Bales come, come for clubs helped either. Obviously, the Newcastle game mm. and everything that surrounded that, that was very difficult for any manager to walk into. But again, you don't help yourself by setting up like really meekly in that game and then coming out afterwards and saying, oh, well, some of these young players think we're going to play in the Premier League. Well, not on that evidence today. And it yeah. was just everything about them just seemed a bit like edgy and confrontational. Like what he said about Oshish after the Ipswich game. It's just been a general theme of absolving themselves of the blame and like almost like pinned it all on these young players. But in the same breath, we can't criticise him because it affects the player's confidence. Well, you can't have it both ways. So... I just think, again, I don't want to keep harping on about Mowbray because actually, although um, I really like Mowbray, it did go still towards the end and I wasn't necessarily against him being sacked if you were going to bring him better. But when, Mowbray was, but when Mowbray was so good with the players, like they all buzzed off him, like when we won a game and you got interviewed, they couldn't speak highly enough of him. You've seen when he's unfortunately got that illness, Mowbray, the players on Instagram straight away calling them gaffer and wishing them all the best on the same day that Bale's being sacked. Mm. It, it's just, um, as I say, there was just absolutely nothing really from his reign to, to look back on fondly, um, unfortunately, because as, as I've stated like numerous times, I'd have absolutely would have loved to have um, had egg on my face and at the end of the season being like, oh, what a great appointment that was and I was wrong. But unfortunately, as Chris Coleman always used to say, we are where we are and we've just got to try and make the best of the rest of this season. Well, that's it. We've got we've got 13 games left of the season now. So we're sitting 10th with... Um... 47 points, so seven points off off a playoff berth. Do you think Mike Mike Dodds is, do you think he's able to to get us into that position? I know we've been here before, we're, we're here in this, you know, this exact same spot this time last year, but it, it was a different landscape then. Do you think we can do it? Um, in a word, no, <laughs> to, be quite, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, especially with the news to David's come out about Jack Clark's injury, because yeah, yeah I, I, I still think um, obviously, we'll talk a lot more about Swansea specifically later, but I do think we can still beat Swansea because they have been very inconsistent. Like since the new managers come in, there hasn't been like a big uptick. Um, they play quite open football, and that's we kind of thrive against teams that come out and try and have a go against us, so we can exploit the spaces. But beyond that, like I mean, was it Chef? Is it still Sheffield Wednesday? The last time we scored a goal away from home, that wasn't Jack Clark. And um, no, it and was Borough. Oh, of course, Rusin, but it's still kind of puts one goal. You that's know? one. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's one goal. So, and, and especially the quality size we're playing. I mean, we've got to travel to Norwich and Southampton without them. We've got Leicester at home without without Jack Clark, and they're just 
But I'm not saying it's an insurmountable task because Sunderland at this level, I don't think we should ever kind of reduce ourselves to saying that. But equally, it's a very, very tall order and it's not inconceivable we come out of that run of games against um, Leicester, Norwich and Southampton with like maybe he's no points, one point, two, if you can You know what I mean? It'll be, I hope yeah. I'm proven wrong, but it's a, it's a very tough run of games. And actually, I think that might be a factor in trying not to get a manager. Um, Obviously, I know my does being given on an interim basis, but not going out and getting the manager to tide you up at the end of the season because I think if they came in, you're on a hide and off and straight away if we had a poor return out of them few games. Yeah. So uh, the, the Dodds thing, it does it does kind of make sense to us. It's making the best of a bad situation, but it, it's not ideal. And um, I think the, the benchmark now for my Dodds is to do what he does best, develop young players, um, produce some attractive football, set us up well tactically. Because even though... I've kind of have written the season off in terms of playoff qualification. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy going to the match still. And that's what I think Dodds' role is to now the end of the season is to give us some good quality football on the pitch, give us something to get behind. And as I say, if we ultimately don't get there, that's fair enough. But between now and the end of the season, I want to kind of like start enjoying the experience of being a Sunderland fan again. Because I think since yeah. Bale came in, I've lost that to a large extent, which is a shame because prior to that, I think I've never been more on board with the club for years. Yeah, and well, you know, when you talk about pressure, Tony Tony Mowbray did a great job last season of of lifting the pressure off the players. I know he he kind of said himself that you know we're not looking at the playoffs, and I know a lot of fans kind of got a little bit angry about it, but it did a great job in just lifting that pressure off the players. And once you lift the pressure off, you you see the performances coming in, and um, yeah, we're in the same spot now. The pressure's off. I mean, the, the sides above us. You know, we're we're in tenth. We've got. Preston, Norwich, Coventry in between us and and Hull City in sixth. All of the sides above us are putting runs together and have been consistent in the last in their last five. Where you know we're on the back of two defeats, and it's going to be a tall order, as you say, with difficult away trips to come. Um, it is going to be a tall order, but I'm not I'm not going to write it off just yet because I've seen where we you know what we got what we did last season. With the, you know, it was a three percent chance of us getting into the playoffs at one point last season. I think that was after the, after the Stoke defeat, or perhaps a Luton draw. There was still like single digit percentage chance of us getting in at half time at Preston. I think there was a naught percent chance of us getting into the playoffs. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to write it. I'd love, to, I'd love to see it happen. I'd, I, mean, I don't, I don't think it will in my heart of hearts. But I am looking forward to seeing what Mike Dodds can do with this team in terms of getting back to somewhere near how we'd, how we're playing when it was good under Mowbray. So that's front foot attacking football. And I think I think the, the main problem with Be- with Michael Beale was that he was training them, because for a man who loves training, he was training them into being like second guessing themselves almost. He could see them kind of the amount of times You'd see kind of Hume wanting to make a run around the outside and not holding his run, like holding his run and just not pressing, you know, when 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 the when the attack was coming coming in and not kind of overcommitting, and it was just all very safe and all very kind of turgid. So I kind of want to see maybe the handbrake let off one or two notches on Saturday, starting with Swansea City. Yeah, I mean, before the, the news about Jack Logbrook, I kind of was expecting us to. I'm not even exaggerating, kind of like three or four nil job on Saturday purely because I think mm. like we'll just be a big cloud kind of lifted from over the whole club and the players will feel that bit more freedom and I hope they're doing. As I say, I think we're big Swansea, but in terms of my dodds, like what I just said there, it's not a slight on him at all. I mean, he showed against Leeds that he's got like a great deal of tactical sophistication in terms of how he can set a team up and yeah. they followed it absolutely to the letter. Um, and and it wouldn't surprise me, um, might be slightly contradict myself, but it wouldn't surprise us if we did go up and get one result out of them three games because of how like tactically excellent he was against Leeds. And if you can replicate that, happy days. But it's just like you say, it, it's a case of like he needs to bring back that bit of like kind of like free flow and football and that fluidity because as you pointed out, that is what we've seriously lacked in recent weeks because like there was a lot of off the cuff football that we played before Bale came in. Um, like instinctive 
Yeah, instinctive yeah. and some some of the goals we scored. But again, this season we don't have Ahmad to stitch that together. We haven't had Patrick Roberts in the form he was in last season. And like we've been solely reliant upon Jack Clark. And unfortunately, I mean, even to the point where I know he wasn't he wasn't great here, but some people I know Roos and I do quite like him as well. He's busy, he's energetic, he scored a couple of goals, but if Joe Gellart walked into the dressing room right now, he would be the best striker at the club. And that's just a sad indictment of how the squad's regressed from where we were last season. Um, yeah. And we've got, and not only have we got the issue of um, the, like the, 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 sorry, Jack Clark being injured, we've got the, the issue we now have in the back four, where we have um, like the potential injury to um, Hyelda, he's potentially injured, um, Ballard suspended, Luke O'Nine's walking a disciplinary tightrope where he gets one more book and I think he's banned for two games. So That's a proper, it's a proper journal phrase, that, isn't it? Walking a, walking a disciplinary tightrope. It is, it is. It's been, it's been yeah, a long yeah. long time since I was journal shirted, but it's still in there. <laughs> oh, it's still in there. You never you never lose it. Never never lose this. Um, I'll have to I'll have to iron the journal shirt again so I can keep on coming out with this. Um but no, so potentially we could again because I don't want to get this obsession with these three games, but we could be going into them without Ballard and all nine. And then yeah. then you think, all right, put High Elder and Zeal in two centre half positions, but then where's your fullbacks because they're all injured? Like it, it, it's just it is really difficult. Um, obviously, Pembelli, I know he can come in, but to be quite honest, he's looked well off it when he's played so far. He came very highly rated. He had a successful loan spell in League Gun, so in theory. Despite his injury, he should have been the most like first team ready signing that we arguably made all last summer, and he's just looked a mile off every time I've seen him play. So to put him into like three games against like some of the best sides in the league will be really tough. So I just I just pray that Luke War Nine manages to remain on the kind of the good side of the referees for once and avoid picking up a book and at least until Ballard's back in the side because. As I say, things at the minute, it just seems like we can't catch a break and things are like unravelling like quite quickly and hopefully we can address that. Yeah, I'm I'm at, we're in the realms now of, of keeping keeping the, the keeping Twitter on, on the screen just in case something else bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> what we're gonna do, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back after and talk about the visit of Swansea and how Sunderland will line up uh with with the injuries and the suspensions that would that we're dealing with. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say Preview Show on Saturday, Sunderland host Swansea City in the AFL Championship. Now, two wins in 2024 for the, for the Swans with their newly newly crowned manager, Luke Williams, of uh, who who did such a good job at Notts County. Hasn't really got them firing yet. They're 18th in the Championship. And uh, yeah, last last time out against us, we we had that, that nil-nil back in November, didn't we? So, so what kind, what kind of a, a challenge are you expecting from the, from the Swans on Saturday? Um, like I, I keep saying, um, I, I do think we'll win the game um, because I think Swansea have the, the uh, been very patchy recently in terms of form. Like I think we've taken some like quite heavy defeats. I remember watching them. I know Bournemouth from a higher league, but I watched them get beat 5 nil off Bournemouth. They might have even been 4-5 mm. at half-time. Um, but he's very, he's very much a Swansea appointment, isn't he, the manager, Luke Williams, because they're very much like a process club in terms of how they want to play. 
and then they had a brief departure for that and Michael Duff but have gone straight back to a manager who I think he very much sticks to his guns and like right this is the way I want to play and it's kind of like Swansea have developed that style over years so Swansea will come and try and give us a game I think I don't think we're going to try and sit in and so there will be gaps there to exploit um, in terms of the threat I expect from Swansea I'm no expert in their kind of like players to be quite honest um, but I'm just expecting it to be quite an open game and even with Clark being mm. out I still think we can outgun them so it's um, hopefully we can, as I say, lift a bit of a cloud the weekend to get three points on the board. Yeah, Luke, Luke Williams, was, he didn't get enough credit for what he did at Notts County considering the finished second to a, to a, an incredibly well-funded Wrexham side. <laughs> you know, to, to get north of 100 points and to to give them such a close run. You know, it was, it was live right up until, you know, penultimate game of the season pretty much for, for, for him to kind of pull that off with Without that much backing, without the backing that Wrexham had, certainly, yeah, you know he's, he's, he deserves this move, but it hasn't hasn't he hasn't really set set South Wales alight so far. <laughs> but I mean, there's there's, uh, there's there wasn't you know the 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 league position eighteenth. Yeah, expect a little more. If if they if we lose to them on Saturday, we'll have lost as many games as. They have this season, and they're in 18th, and we're 11 points, you know, clear of them. So, do you think? Do you think it'll be a close run thing between between us? Yeah, I do think it will be. I mean, as I say, if we had Clark, I'd be pretty confident we'd win comfortably. But I can say probably is like a, it will be a close game. Um, I think it'll be like a. I can say it'll be a few goals. Could be like two, one, three, two job. But I do think we will like edge it. Um, in terms of Sunderland, though, we've got um, quite a few like that selection headaches, don't we? As we alluded to before the break, yeah. in terms of like what you go with. I mean, if we had like a centre forward that I could trust, other than Rusin, I would actually be very intrigued to see what Rusin is like playing like from like a wide forward role. Because yeah. like a lot of a lot of people have like said that like that was his position really before he came to England and. I know it's under twenty ones football, so you can't read too much into it. But when I watched our twenty ones against him against Leeds the other week, he he played from like the wide position and he scored two goals and he looked really, really good from there. So I would be interested to see what he's what he's like. However, I would obviously like to see Rusin be given the run in the side up front. So I think we will just have to go with Mundell and Bar. But it's a shame that I don't think we will get to see Rusin playing from that wide position because I think he could be a real threat. Yeah, no, I've 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 said it, I said it on a previous show a few weeks ago. I'd like to see Job go through the middle as like a, as a central striker or a false nine. Or but most most of our strikers seem to be false nines because they don't do the job of a number nine. But if we stick Job up there and put put Rusin on on the right and uh, and Mundle on the left with Bar in in, in the ten, I think that there's something in that. I've I've quite liked I've quite liked Bar when he's played through the middle, you know he's he's, he's shown glimmers of of quality, and as as you say I think I think Rusin is a he looks he's not he's not someone who's who you're gonna he's gonna sit on the shoulder of the centre half he's the one who's gonna sit wide I think starting out wide and coming inside he's 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 got more about him then and if and I know I know one of one of Beale's Comments was that that that's his position, isn't he playing as a as a wide forward? So if he if he's thinking that, you know, it's I think that's where he played when he played for in the Ukraine league. Give give him a run there, see what he can yeah. do. I think Job Job has the has the attributes of of a centre forward, and if he's given that that license to, you know, to stay up rather than kind of play too deep, I think there's there's something in that as well. And then you can have uh, Dan Neal and, and Pierre Equa sitting behind the behind the four. I think there's a bit of there's a bit of balance in there. Obviously, the big news is, as 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 Michael says, we're go, we're, we're likely to to not have Jack Clark on Saturday. Um, not sure of the the specifics of the injury, but there's talk about it being ankles, ankle not both ankles, just one ankle, and then that he could be out, you know, for up to a month perhaps. So hopefully, you know, it's not going to be that long. Um, but that, that that certainly sounds like the worst case scenario. So that's that's a pretty big hammer blow to lose, not just 
not just Jack Clark, who's your you know your, your biggest contributor to the side, but um, Patrick Roberts as well. He's he's out for an extended period of time. It seems that that stockpiling wingers was probably a good idea in the end, wasn't it, Michael? Yeah, potentially. I mean, you could even <laughs> you could even see how she's come back into the fold at the weekend. You never know. Yeah. Because um, I know, like, he wasn't playing great, but we just we've got such like uh, I don't know why the words escaped me for not having a lot of things. <laughs> we've got such few options, really, in like kind of like attacking attacking areas now, like in the number ten role. That I think he's worth a go because he did show some promise, particularly when he came off the bench earlier on in the season. Um, so, so yeah, um, I could see him coming back into the team. Um, you shout at Bellingham up front, possibly. I mean, like my Dodge did go with Bellingham, didn't he, when he was in like temporary charge before Christmas? Yeah, um, he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that so, was, so so, that would be interesting. There's also, you know, there's there's Chris Rigg as well. He was, yeah, he was kind of getting more minutes, and I think this could be a good opportunity for him. Um, yeah. So if you if you want to make the best out of it, you've got to look at it as an opportunity for players who weren't getting minutes to step up. But it is really a terrible situation. We should we shouldn't be delighted about the fact that we're going to hang our hat on a sixteen year old to, to to get more minutes. But that this is the reality of of where we are. It's you know we can't we can't be dancing on the streets about it. But it's an opportunity for the likes of. It's an opportunity for likes of Chris Rigg to to stay at claim, and we know we know he's got quality. Yeah. And this could be a great chance for, him. and I'm sure there'll be a lot of players around him that are, that are thinking the same thing. Even down to the likes of, you know, Tommy Watson, who's who you know hasn't had much opportunities, but he's been in and around the match day 18. So yeah, you know, it's it's a lot a lot of the younger players who haven't had minutes under the belt will be will be thinking that as an opportunity there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think as well, it is quite telling now, like how weak our bench is looking at times. And we're down to like, mm. we are really down to bare bones at the minute compared to just even like a month ago in terms of the depth that we had. So, like you say, like Paddy Roberts, I know he's not set the world alight this season, but he's still an exciting player. He still creates things. He still, like, gets a crowd on the feet. He, like, drives at players. Um, so, to not even have him as an option coming off the bench, it, it, it's just not ideal at all. And, Chris Rigg, I think that would be a, not a bad shout at all. I think if there is a game that he is going to start, it's certainly not going to be the next three games. So I wouldn't be against him getting the start neither at the weekend if that was how it was going to be. If we did go at the, a bit more of a, of a, a bit more of a flat three that we've seen recently, I wouldn't be all that against having Rigg, Nayland, um, Ekwa as like the midfield three. I wouldn't be against mm. that at all. Um because this is the thing as well, like, I mean, like, Joe Bellingham, he's only a couple of years older than Rig, and we talk about him as if, like, he must start every game, but obviously we saw the impact he had off the bench against Plymouth, so, again, like him, like, coming off the bench, because um, he started against Huddersfield, and he started against um, Birmingham, so possibly to see him coming off the bench again, that means that, like, Rig's got the safety blanket as well, of right after 60 minutes, we're pulling you and we're putting Joe on. Yeah. So I think that's definitely um, an option we could see, because Rig, to be fair to him, when he has played, he's not looked out of place at all, and he's like very brave on the ball. He wants to get on it. He drives us forward. He's a very com- like combative player, so I wouldn't be yeah. against giving them a go at all. And to be quite frank, um, at this stage of the season, like yes, we are still in contention, but if it does come to a stage later on towards the back end where you're looking at it thinking, ah, like we're, we're just like nearly mathematically can't make the playoffs, then like I would expect to see Rig start giving frequently. To be honest, towards the end of the season, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a good point. Defensively, as you've alluded to, we're not going to have Dan Ballard because he's he's going to be suspended. There's there's a chance that Held might be might be injured. So so what changes would you make at the back to 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 uh, to stave off Swansea's threat on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, as I say, as I say, ideally, um, Held will be available and. That's it, then the rest of the back four speaks for itself, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So you might have a situation where we're having, uh, where we are, forgive me if there's a player that's um, available who I can't remember, but I think we will literally be down there. We'll have to play Hume at left back and we'll have to play Pembele at right back. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, with, with, uh, yeah, Zayl and centre half. Because yeah. I'm trying to wrap my brains to think of like anybody, but like, no, we've just got like a thousand full backs injured, haven't we? Like Huggins. Certain, at least, like we've got no options. 
Yeah, unless you go like to to kind of under twenty threes that that haven't had many minutes at all. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a risk. I'd rather put four players in that have had some minutes this season. Oh no, <laughs> I mean this is the thing. We shouldn't be talking about that when we've got like uh, we've signed a right back from one of the biggest clubs in world football in the summer. We shouldn't be talking about like, oh well, you know, could another twenty three player come in so he doesn't play like he should be ready. But from the evidence I've seen, he doesn't look it. So, but one way or another, he's gonna probably get a couple of games in the side. So as I say, I am really really hoping that Hayeldi will be fit because he's at least shown some degree of competency in his um like cameo. Well, not cameos. He played full games, but in his like few games for the club. Yeah, he's he's looked he's looked okay. He hasn't set set the world alight, but you know he's got that he's got that experience and he's he's got something about him. Like he's you know I know he's not your classic fullback in that he is he does often look like a, a centre half playing left back, but he brings balance having that left foot. He brings balance and, and he's he's looked he's looked okay. So hopefully he will be fit. Um, so so that Hume can play right back and Jensen sealed. We'll, we'll take Dan Ballard's place, and it, it actually sticks sealed up front. If you if you saw his goal that he scored in training, incredible finish. He could Absolutely. be what we're missing. Although that, I think, I'm, I think saw- on, <laughs> on the back of that goal, I'm going to have to go and get my eyes tested because like I just looked it on my phone briefly when I was on my way home from work, and I saw like the back heel and it looked really good. But I'm like, why is everyone going on like that? He's put it wide. <laughs> and then, like, when I, <laughs> yeah. but then when I watched it back properly, I was like, "Oh no, that has absolutely gone in." <laughs> so was... Yeah, there's only one player that I ever see like celebrating goals and training. That's Luke Nine. Everyone else just acts like I mean, I don't want to sound like Roy King, but they act like it's their job. Well, yes, yeah, training. It's a bit like if you play five if you play celebrate goals on five side. Celebrate goals on No, nah. You, you, you run, you give it a little fist pump, run back, high five your mate on the way back, maybe. But you're not telling me you could do like full of like run to the corner. Like. <laughs> Knee slides. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would. Well, I, 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 haven't, I haven't. I'd never score enough goals in five aside anyway. But the ones that did go in, I would wheel away one arm in the air. But that's that's just me. That, because of such a collector's item. But I think if I'd scored a goal like that in training, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably make more of it than just trotting back to my position. I'd, I'd be giving it big ones. No, I'd firmly do the sale thing of like, yeah, what? I do it all the time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that's, like, that's, that's obviously like you've got much more of a you know high performance culture than, <laughs> I, than, I, than I do. And obviously you're, you're a bit better at football than me. Um, uh, that's, I think that's, that's, You'd agree with that, I think. I, I don't know, like, I mean, no, mm. necessarily. I've rarely set set goals alight. I mean, you might get arrested for that, like, but wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once headbutted the wall in goals in Middlesbrough, gave myself concussion. I, I think the thing with me when I, I slipped and cracked me, cracked me head off the off the wall while retrieving the ball, like oh, slipped really? forward. Yeah, got me. I had to cover a match later on, and I, I missed like the first ten minutes because I was late, and I had no idea what was going on in the game. I had to keep asking people what what score was. <laughs> so, it was the the nil nil draw with Man United when the uh, yeah, the lunchtime the lunchtime kickoff. I don't know why I, I don't know why I played football before that it was a daft idea. But but, yeah. but again, I think that's quite incredible. I kept on asking for a score. It was a nil nil draw. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it scored there. It's still nil nil, Richard. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, what we got now? We've had a few questions from the listeners, actually. So, make what's what's your score prediction then? Oh, we're doing scores before the questions. It scores before questions because we're moving away from. I think we're moving away from from the Swansea game, aren't we? For the questions. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fine. Um, right. Yeah, I'll go. Boss said earlier, two one. Right. I'm going to go three I'm going to one. Rusin's going to score, and Mundo's yeah. going to get the winger, the winner because he's a winger. I got that a bit confused. But he's going yeah. to get the winner. Mundo, the winger, is going to get the winner. Yeah. Great. No, I, 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 I agree. We're going to win. I think we're going to win three one, and I think it's going to be a champagne start to the game. We're going to go into an early two 0 lead. They're going to pull it back. Just after half time, they're going to pull it back to two one, 
and uh, we're going to get put the icing on the cake. Chris Frigg with a with a late a late header to send us all home happy. That's how I see it. So we've been asking for a few questions on uh, on X earlier. Um, so we've had we've had a couple of questions. Um, first one up is from John G. Is there any merit in the fans groups and podcasts uniting and urging the fans to hold off renewing their season tickets? Owners only understand pounds, and we're still waiting for answers about the Mags debacle and off-field matters have and the on-field matters have dropped off. I think. Well, if uh, before before coming to you, Mick, I, I think if we're talking about clubbing together to, to tell people not to buy season tickets, I, I don't think personally I would I would stand with that because if you don't want to buy a season ticket, that's your your choice. It's it's such a huge decision for people to take, huge financial contribution to make that. Like, it's it's yeah your decision at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I would also be an enormous hypocrite about that because my kind of stance is like, yeah, like I obviously love Sunderland, I love watching football, but equally, like it's about all about the day for me, and like yeah, exactly, like, yeah. yeah, like obviously, like I've still got my season ticket with my dad, like it's like because like I live like an hour away from my parents, like so it's kind of like once a week I'll say like my dad will go for a few beers and go for the match. It's like quite quite a special thing still, so. It, I couldn't, in good faith, encourage other people not to renew while knowing deep down, I basically, it would, I would renew no matter what, like no matter like how low we sunk. And that's not me saying, oh, I'm a good class fan. That's just me saying, like for me, like there's about so much more than the football and so much more than like the, the ownership and whatever gripes you have with the club. And I think also as well, you've got to be a little bit careful with going down the the route of like getting like everybody together because the beauty of like kind of like the fanzines and all the fan groups is we all will, even within the fan groups, have, like, different opinions on things and, like, kind Absolutely, of see, yeah. see the ownership differently and stuff like that. Never mind trying to get people from different fan groups who will, again, see things slightly differently to try and get together. I mean, the theory of it, like, is quite sound. Um, and there's a... Look, we always get, like, slated for being, like, negative and for kind of, like, holding the cook account a bit too much sometimes. And we've obviously had our say on, like, um, Kimberly Louis Dreyfus and, like, the running of the club, but... I just, as I say, I just don't think in good faith I could like encourage people not to renew the season tickets. Yeah, I mean, as as fan groups, we have united on on stuff that's probably a little bigger than this, um, and and you know, as you say, we do, we all have different opinions. You know, we we all have, you know, quite, you know, not big arguments on match days, but we've we've often had not come to blows either, but we've often had like words with each other on, on match days and, and not agreed, not seen eye to eye with each other on lots of things. But on the big stuff, yeah, we, we generally hold the same opinion, you know, given Newcastle United 6,000 tickets was a bad idea. But are we going to march with pitchforks on on Black Hat House? Probably not. But, you know, the season season card decision and, and early bird renewals will, will, will start to be going out probably in the next month or so, you'd imagine. Um, that's entirely your decision. I think, and I think the, as well, the football's such a small part of the day as well as as you yeah. say, Nick. It's like it's a tiny part of the day. And I don't think I'd. I think I'd be cutting my nose off to spite my face if I didn't. If I just didn't get a season ticket, I'd be, I'd be missing out on quite quite a big yeah. social thing. I, I wouldn't myself. I do think as well that these things happen organically. So I do think next season, I do think we'll see a reduction in renewals purely because of. Yeah. Um, Especially um, if like we we don't have a good spell coming up and the club look a bit directionless and you know what I mean like so I, I know like I don't want to make it sound like it's an obsession of mine but I keep harking back to the days of when we won the league and we were averaging like high twenty eight low thirty thousand you know there's sometimes yeah. things happen around the football club that causes that drop off in renewals and kind of like your hardcore support shrinks organically so I don't think there's like a huge need for it because I do think there will be people on an individual basis and on like a family basis and a mate's basis saying like, no, I don't want to go and watch us be also runs in the second tier of English football. And that's absolutely sound. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, another question from Gibbo. Um, how likely do we, fi- do we all feel that if Dodsey has a successful end of the season, uh, finishing seventh or losing out in the playoffs, playing exciting attack and football, getting the feel good back- factor back to the club that we see him giving it permanently uh, especially given the addition of uh, the first team coach um, Anthony Hayes, who's who's worked with Mike Dodds before, 
uh, today. So, so how 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 much how likely do you think it is that that Duds would be given the job permanently should he achieve all of those things? Um, yeah, I think there would be a high chance if he hit those objectives. There'd be a high chance that he would get it. I really do. Um, now, if there's two ways of looking at it. You could say, "Oh, well, that suits the club down the grounds. It means that we could like obviously do it on the cheap, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But you could also look at it and say, "Right, okay, this is a coach who the club have like invested in, and he's come through, and he's kind of like take, and he was a big part of obviously the really good football we played last season. So, mm. if he shows signs that he can be a charismatic leader, that he can like execute tactical game plans over a much bigger sample size than what we've seen earlier." Then really, it's not a bad thing to promote from within necessarily. Yeah. However, dis- despite me saying that, I personally wouldn't like to see him be given the job because I think we've seen it all too often where a manager can have a, uh, sorry, like a temporary manager can have a really successful half season and then they get a gig on a more permanent basis and you're just looking for another new manager in October. And because you've given them full time, that means he's out the door and we've lost a very talented coach. That's so why it. would be. I would personally be quite wary of it. I would like us to, um, obviously, if we get if we get in the playoffs and we get promoted, then you can't not give him the job. But I would say, like, barring kind of a bit of a miracle, I would like to see us go out there and make like a bit of a statement, like ambitious appointment uh, to reassure people, like kind of that we are serious about like getting out of this league at the nearest opportunity. I think that's that's the club's thoughts behind it as well. Had they thought that, had they thought that that you know. Dodds was going to be a huge success and would 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 get us up to the Premier League. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have hesitated at all in giving him the job after after Tony Mowbray had left. But because they value him as an employee of the club and they, they, they value him as a coach, they didn't want to see him fail and then haven't been given the job until the end of the season. Then that would make he couldn't just go back to being a and you know, assistant, assistant to head coach, whoever his job was before. So it's almost like what you know what Graham Murty did up at uh, up at Rangers. Ironically, he he kind of went out on on, on the first team matters and then crashed and burned, but then got a job back within the club. I'd feel that a lot a lot of the times you don't see that happening. Do you? you? You kind of see caretakers given the job, like kind of a Craig Shakespeare kind of thing who'd been a long-time lieutenant and then get the job, doesn't quite work out for them and they end up getting, they end up losing out on a, on a coach. So, so yeah, I, I agree I agree with you on that. I think I'd like to see him do well. Um, and if he does well, he'll deserve to get the job full-time. But if he just misses out and then feels that maybe he's got the taste of being a manager and, and leaves the club, we've, we've lost out big time then. The final question is from um, A., uh, which is a, a catchy name. Um, is the recent criticism of Anthony Patterson, which is online, warranted or harsh? Now, disclaimer, because I've come off Twitter, I haven't seen any of this. So so you're going to have to fill me in on this, Mick. Yeah, I think not just online as well, to be fair. I think there is a sentiment, and quite rightly for Patterson, has been at fault or at least partially to blame for some of the goals we've conceded recently. Um, I've got two kind of thoughts on it. So what I don't like is when I see people saying that like, oh, well, this is why we need a set, like a better second choice keeper because Patterson clearly doesn't feel threatened. Therefore, like he's got complacent. I think that's like just nonsense because Patterson, I don't think needs the kind of like motivation of like, if I don't have somebody kicking me up the backside, I'm just going to slap off and train and I'm not going to give me all for the club. I don't like that, but where I do agree with him is that we do need a better second-choice goalkeeper because that means when your number one has a poor run of form, you can just put another goalkeeper in and be like, right, okay, we're taking you out the firing line for a little bit. He is somebody who we trust 100% to go in and play regularly for the club while we kind of like get your form back to where it needs to be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think kind of a criticism has been warranted and I think it's a worry that we don't... This is the second year in a row now. We've not got a goalkeeper who we can confidently say we could put him in tomorrow and he would like excel or even be competent at this level. Like Nathan Bishop, he came from Man United, fair enough, but I think the highest he's ever played, he played a full season for Mansfield in League 2 and I think he played for Southend briefly like um, when they were in League 1 under Saul Campbell. So he's got no pedigree at this level. So I just think we've sold ourselves short and I know it is very difficult to recruit a second-choice keeper who is happy to kind of be on the bench most of the time, but is also good enough to step up. I do understand it, 
But equally, I do kind of like feel as if, we're, as I say, we're selling ourselves short. And Patterson, I think he is like exposed because don't forget, like he's this is only like two or three years now. He's had of like senior football, and I think we've seen a non-stop rise ever since he's come into the team in terms of his performances. And this is the first yeah. serious dip for me. So yeah, we need to get behind him and support him. But as I say, I don't think he's necessarily got the the back up there to give him the kind of like the almost a breathing space to just be human and make these errors without it being too yeah. costly. Yeah, I think he's it's his second full a lot like Dan Neal, it's his second full season. You know, at, at in in a in a starting role. Um and you've seen how he how he how he's come on from you know from from where he started off when he when he came in when he came back from that loan at Notts uh, County in League One, and then uh, he really kind of, you know, he, he hit his hit form incredibly for the for the playoffs. You know, he played so ever so well down at Wembley against Wickham, and it, he just seemed to have kicked on from there. And this is probably the first plateau he's seeing, and you can expect that from a goalkeeper, especially you know, of of such a young age. And yeah, I think he would probably say himself if he had a. If you had someone underneath him that was pushing him a little closer, or someone that you could learn off a little better, um, one thing I do notice about uh, about Bishop is that he's a massive cheerleader for for Patterson. If you ever see them warming up before a match, because they warm up right in front of me in the in the north, in the north stand, and he's he's always like applauding him every time he makes a decent save. He's like first to kind of pat him on the back and stuff. He's, he seems quite quite good in that respect. So maybe you know. He's not. He's pushing him in a different way. He's been more uh, supportive rather than like I'm going to take your place. Yeah, I mean, um, when he left Man United, there was like Bruno Fernandez and people like that who were like saying, "Oh, you'll never meet like a better guy than Nathan Bishop." Like posting on their Instagram and stuff. Mm. So it just goes to show. And I think as well, I think even um, I've noticed this. Like when we've won, he's like going around applauding the fans. He's quite involved in the celebrations. Um, I remember when Dewey did that cross for Chris Rigg in um, against Southampton. After the game, he was going to both like Burnett and um, like Rig and like hugging them and like making a big fuss over it. So, as I say, I don't doubt he's an absolutely brilliant guy. But in terms of like yeah. when we can step up and play for us in the championship, I'm not so sure. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Maybe he should be our next manager. Just a stunned silence from Mick there. <laughs> well, on that on that bombshell, um, I think that's a, that's about it. We'll be back uh, after the match on Saturday with with the reaction pod, and then uh, Gareth and Stephen will be back on Monday uh, to talk more about the game the weekend and anything else that might have happened. Whatever you know, we're talking disasters here because we seem to be in the realms of big news happening in Sunderland. So, so we might be back with an emergency pod to say the stadium of light has melted. So we'll find out. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.